Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Yeah, I bought it for 60 I put about 35 into it. So I'm in it for about 100 and we're under contract at 187.5. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, They are making this show possible, and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping. Uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I'd check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show, show where we get straight to the good stuff. We cut out all the fluff. And we get the advice from our best ever guests on what is their best real estate investing advice ever. Not really to hear their advice, but really to hear how we can apply this advice to your business. Because ultimately, it's about adding value to your life as a real estate investor. Today, really excited to have with us Chris Ontiveros. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. How you doing today? I'm doing really well, and welcome to the show. Excited to have you. Chris is based in Phoenix, Arizona. He's a real estate agent um, out there. You can find him at chrisbuyshomes.com. That's Chris with a K, K-R-I-S, 
buyshomes.com. He's a full-time house flipper and has done about 50 flips since 2012. And in 2015, this year, he's done 18 flips and is scheduled to do about 25 total. Um, So he's actively doing house flipping and he's got a lot of great advice for us. So with that being said, Chris, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I've been a, a real estate agent for about 10 years, and uh, I, I'm i a big fan of Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, so real estate investing was always very interesting to me. So after our market crashed horribly, I was able to get in and you know start getting a couple of rental properties, and then I got into the flipping game. Why the flipping game? I like adding value. I love transforming a property and, and uh, seeing how these people just, you know, tur- turning these ugly houses into homes for people. I, I just, I love doing that. And from a deal analyzing standpoint, when you're looking at properties to flip, what are some things that you look at that you can quickly qualify if it's a good deal or not? Sure. I've got some pretty good at being able to go into a property and within 10 or 15 minutes estimate fairly accurately what the repairs will be. A few things. I was taught, my mentor is Robin Thompson out of Florida. Uh, She taught me how to do the fixing and flipping. And so a few things she taught me has really helped. Uh, One of her items is the nine houses not to buy. That's really helped me in my career. A couple of them would be small homes, homes on busy roads, just weird floor plans where you have to go through a room to get through a room, things like that. And then... I just try to find homes in good neighborhoods where people would want to live and uh, and raise their family. You mentioned in 10 minutes you can go in and estimate how much, how quickly, or how to quickly determine the costs. So how do you do that? How do you go into a house and in 10 minutes quickly determine how much it's going to cost? What do you look for specifically? Sure. Well, in my area in Phoenix, I am usually flipping between 100 and 200000 on the price range. So a lot of the upgrades are going to be the same um, when it comes to price. So what I'm able to do, if it needs a full cosmetic remodel, then I uh, multiply $10 times the square footage. And then I will add for anything extra that it needs. 5000 for a kitchen, 2500 for a bathroom, uh, X amount for a roof, depending on how, how big the roof is. So 1500 square foot house in my market that needs cosmetics, I can fairly accurately estimate 15000 in repairs. So if it needed cosmetics plus a kitchen and two bathrooms, then it would be around 25000 Interesting. So you've got multipliers for all of this. I was writing it down, and I wrote down, if it needs a full cosmetic remodel, you take $10 and you multiply it by the square footage. And what are the other multipliers? You said kitchen and other things. What is that? I'm going to write it down. Yeah, and then after that, so your cosmetic will cover your paint, flooring, light, fan, you know, all all that. So if it needs a full bathroom job or if it needs a new kitchen, I'll add those items. If it needs landscaping, I'll add that on top, a roof, things like that. And then if it needs anything major like new electric or new plumbing, I'll also add that on top. Now with the full bathroom, what's your rule of thumb there? Same with landscaping and same with roof. 2500 The hall bathroom will be a little bit less. I do, I just have a template for my 
flips. All of my flips look exactly the same. So in the master, I do a shower pan, uh, and, and we tile, we do tile all the way to the roof. And, and so that costs a little bit more, but they, they even out to be about the same in the long run. You said 2500 for the full bathroom. What about landscaping? Landscaping depends on what we'll do. My sister owns a landscaping company, so she can usually come and get me a, a number pretty quickly. What's the range? Anywhere from 500 if we're just going to do rocks. We rock a lot of front yards out here in Phoenix. And then um, up to maybe 3000 if we're going to add a sprinkler system. Did you say you lock a lot of yards? Yeah, we, we do a gravel and rock zeroscaping. Got it. You, you put rocks in the land or in, in the yard. Yeah, zero taking instead of uh, instead of anything that needs water. We don't have much of that out here. Yeah, you in California? Yeah, we're both struggling. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the roof? I know you said it ranges, but what's what's the kind of the the range that you've seen? Usually between three and seven thousand, depending if there's wood rot or not. A lot of times that can be tough to judge, so I'll usually estimate a little high on the roof. And do you have a, you said you have, what is it, a spreadsheet or are you just doing this on, on a notepad whenever in a calculator? What's your methodology? Yeah, when I'm walking through, I'll just have a little pad and paper and add things. I can usually just do it in my head. And how are you financing the deals? I kind of think that's a little bit of my specialty. A lot of investors have a hard time expanding from day one, mainly out of need because I didn't have a lot of money. I have always flipped with other people's money 100%. So at the very beginning, I would partner with people. They would put up all the cash. I would do the work. We would put the deal. But nowadays, I prefer second mortgages. I work with a lot of private individuals, not necessarily investors, just regular Joe to uh, want to get their money working a little bit better, you know, get a better return. And so I will borrow thirty to 50000 from them as a second mortgage. And that will cover my down payment and my rehab cost. So that has allowed me to do a lot of properties at once. I have 10 going right now. And, you know, if I had to use my own money, I wouldn't be able to do that many at a time. What type of rates do they give you when you borrow the 30 to 50 for the down payment and rehab costs? About 10 to 15, depending on the person and the property. And then can you walk us through high level one example of a deal where you factor in the costs of borrowing the money, the cost of acquiring it, the rehab costs, and then what you generally make? Because I'm sure you have, based on, you know, 100 to 200K properties and have done it for so long, I'm sure you know kind of what the range is of the profit that you make on each property. Sure, sure. My goal, I use a pretty standard formula that's used across the industry, um, So my after repair value, what is it worth fixed up? Minus 30% and then minus repairs. And that 30% is made up of 10% closing costs and 20% profit margin. So up to $250,000, I'm looking for 20% profit margin of the after repair sales price. So I have a deal that I'm putting on the market today. I got the deal through probate letters. I send letters out to people in probate. And uh, so this woman had taken over her mom's house for a couple of years, and she called me. I bought the property for seventy three, and I borrowed a $30,000 second. So 
my first hard money loan was for 59000 And so I used the thirty for the down payment and closing costs. And then the other 15000 was for rehab. And I ended up spending about around twelve. So I had a couple left over just in case. And so I'm all in. I owe 89 on that one. And we're going to list it for 135 How quickly do they sell? This one, I expect to sell in a week or less. The Phoenix market's very hot, especially under 200000 And you mentioned something interesting. I'm glad I asked the question about how you have flipped with other people's money at, at 100%. So you've never used your own money to flip homes. I think that's definitely unique, at least from people I've come across. How have you approached the investor conversations and how has that approach evolved as you've become more experienced in having conversations with investors? Yeah, I've gotten pretty good at that sales pitch right now. But for the most part, I want to make it a win-win situation. Your average Joe, they don't know how to make 12%. They don't know how to make 8%. You know, they just, they go to work, they save and they hope they can retire someday. So, you know, I have the conversation. I, I show them, like, for example, on the on the deal I just showed you, I'm all in for 89000 The property's worth 130, So their money's safe. So I, I show them that, first of all, I'm not going to over-leverage, and then they're covered because they're going to get a note, they're going to get a deed of trust, and so they're covered. There's always going to be risk, and I go over that with them, but I, I try to make it a win-win situation to where it's really worth their time to work with me. What are the risks involved? So on that same property, if I default on my second mortgage, then they will have to foreclose on it, and so they will take it over with the first lien in place. So really, just like they're not investors, they don't know how to do that, so... You know, I do my best to make sure that they feel comfortable that that will never happen. I always pay my investors first, even before I pay myself or anybody else. My investors get paid first. And what would cause a default? I'm not trying to kind of like poke the bear, but <laughs> and I know it's a, a very uh, a scenario that's not likely. But I also know that investors who are talking to other people out there, like best ever listeners who are having these conversations, their investors might ask them this question. So that's why I'm asking you. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, obviously they would need to make sure that I am financially sound, that I can make those payments. A couple things could happen. You could go over budget. You can have your wrong after repair value. Those two numbers are critical, by the way. Your after repair value and your repairs, if those numbers are right, then you're gold. You're going to make money. If those numbers are wrong, then you can lose money. So you just want to make sure that they're strong financially. And then really, I think most importantly is is the equity. You want to make sure that they're not over leveraging on any properties. Because if, as a lender, if you do have to take that property back, you want to make sure that you can sell it quickly and get all your money back. That's a key point. I think um, the two most important numbers when flipping homes, one, after repair value, and two, repair budget. It makes a whole lot of sense. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best investing advice, so if the best ever listeners had to take anything away, I would say use other people's money. I know it takes a level of comfort to do that. A lot of people don't feel comfortable doing that. But if you really want to grow your business, 
and grow it quickly, I think this is the way to do it. Other people's money, for sure. When you tell people that, what objection do they typically have, and what is your response to that objection? Their main objection would be, is my money safe? They, you know, they work hard for it, and they want to make sure that they don't lose it, first of all. So that's where I go over, you know, they, uh, they're going to get the note, they're going to get the deed of trust, they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to be secure with that. And usually that does it. And But it's a level of trust as well. Very rarely am I going to borrow from someone that I don't know at all or hasn't been referred to me. And then for investors, because I'm sure you've told investors, hey, you should be using other people's money. What is their typical objection and how do you address that? I never really have an objection. They say, where can I find some money? <laughs> <laughs> Usually they're all for it because, you know, everybody wants to do more deals, especially wholesalers. I mean, wholesalers are really giving away a lot of money. If a wholesaler were to actually take the deal down and and realize the whole profit, I think they would be a lot a lot happier. But, you know, some people like a quick nickel over a slow dime. I, uh, I prefer the latter. You know, I prefer a, a slow dime over a quick nickel. When you're looking at a project... And you're trying to determine, you know, the the best investor that you'd like. You know, you're painting the picture for, okay, this is the type of investor I'd like to have in this deal. What's the best type of personality for somebody to be an investor with you? Because obviously with human beings, personalities vary from many different degrees. And um, what do you look for? Well, first of all, I'm looking for someone who doesn't really want to be a part of the process. I'm just looking for money. I'm not looking for advice usually, but someone who is okay with a little bit of risk, someone who wants to be a little bit more aggressive, you know, like I said, the regular, the stock market, you know, people don't really know how to get a good return. So it needs to be someone who's open-minded and willing to look at alternative investments. Do you have a presentation that you give them, like a PowerPoint presentation, or is it all, is it a Word document? Uh, How long is it? Can you kind of share with us that information? I have not made a PowerPoint presentation. I kind of just sit down. Any questions that they have, I can give them the answer. So I haven't, I'm I'm in the process of making a brag book, showing my flips, the process, just to make it a little bit more professional. But until now, I haven't really needed it. Tell me you have something in writing, though, like numbers that like you email them or something. <laughs> They've got some documentation prior to giving you money, right? Sure, sure. They all want to see the note or an example of what the note will look like. They want to see an example of what the deed of trust will look like. I give them those. I send them the tax records to show previous deals that I've done, showing what I bought it for, what I sold it for. And then I will always give them a referral two or three of my other lenders, because that's, that's what's going to put their mind to ease, speaking to somebody else who is already lending to me and already has faith in me. What's the biggest bottleneck for your business right now? Right now is deals. A few months ago, it was money. And now I came into a couple lenders who have a couple million to lend. So now we just need to find more deals. It's Like I said, the Phoenix market's really hot. We have about 20,000 active listings and about 7,000 pending. So we have less than three months supply, which is a pretty hot market. So yeah, defining those deals and a lot of my organic deals have really slowed down. It seems like the letter, the out-of-state 
owner market is extremely saturated. Whenever they call me, they've gotten 20, 30 letters. So the gurus are out there pushing all the same things. So that's what everybody's doing. So it's time to find a different way. What's that different way going to be? I think Facebook's a good place. And then most of my deals are through networking. I have a lot of friends who don't do any marketing whatsoever. It's just strictly networking and with other wholesalers, other investors. And we've had a lot of success with that. You mentioned Facebook. What specifically are you or will you do on Facebook? I've done some some ads on Facebook. That's been kind of slow. I've had more success finding lenders than motivated sellers on Facebook. And how do you find lenders on Facebook? By uh, putting my examples out there, taking a picture of me returning a check, paying off a lender, you know, just putting it out there, letting people know that there's a there's a better way out there for their money, and uh, usually they'll they'll contact me with interest. And is that on your personal page, or do you have a business page that you're sharing this out on? Mainly just my personal. I do have a business page, but I usually keep it on my personal level. Interesting. Okay. So you're basically promoting it just through all your friends that have come across you in life then? Correct, yeah. A lot of my lenders have been other realtors because, I mean, realtors, most of them just know how to sell real estate. They don't know how to invest. But they're sold on real estate. You know, They know that it's a good investment, so usually they're okay with uh, lending me their money. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. All right, first a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding, you've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. What's the best ever book you've read? Without a doubt, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That book has completely changed my life. What's one way that it's changed your life and what did you learn from it? Well, uh, just the whole concept of uh, being in the correct quadrant, knowing that I need to be in the B business owner and the I investor quadrant to create passive income. I, growing up, I, I didn't know what passive income was. I didn't know what cash flow was. I never really put it together that you have to have money coming in that you don't work for in order to retire. I was raised just like every other American, you know, go to school, get a job, and everything will be taken care of, but that's just not true. And so Rich Dad really opened my eyes to see that I don't want to be an employee. I need to be a business owner. I need to be an investor. And I've had Robert Kiyosaki on this show, so you're in good company. And uh, best ever listeners, if you want to check out that episode, just Google my name, Joe Fairless, and Robert Kiyosaki's name together, of course, not separately. That would not be a good search. <laughs> together, and uh, you'll, you'll be able to listen to that episode. Best ever personal growth experience, and what did you learn from it? This was a great one. My best personal growth experience was back in 2009. And beginning in 2009, and it, it was the Millionaire Mind Intensive. I don't know if you've heard of T. Harv Acker. Yeah, I've heard the name. Yes, he wrote The Secret of the Millionaire Mind, and he puts on huge seminars all over the country. He was a lot bigger before the bus, but he's making a comeback. And his book tells you all about programming, about how we all have a blueprint, and the way we were raised, our blueprint is going to be how our life turns out. 
so I realized that the way I was raised was in a middle class blueprint. Like I said before, I was raised to go to school, get a job, work my whole life. So the Millionaire Mind Intensive was an amazing three-day event out in L.A., and I went by myself. I didn't have anybody to go with me, and it was the best experience. It just opened my eyes. It showed me that I need to change who I am at the core, and it was great. Now I am a part of a group called the 2% Club. One of T. Harv's old employees, uh, his name is Jeff Fagan, one of my mentors, he teaches every Tuesday one chapter, and it's I'm always learning. I'm always continuously trying to beat that into my head just because I want to change my blueprint because if my blueprint's different, then that's if I have the blueprint of a millionaire, then I will be a millionaire. Love that philosophy. Best ever deal you've done? Best ever deal I've done is not quite done. It's in escrow. <laughs> I had an agent bring me a deal. The guy's father had died. He stopped paying the mortgage, so he was in foreclosure. And he gave me the price. He told me he wanted 60000 I could have paid ninety, but I wasn't going to argue with him. <laughs> so, yeah, I bought it for sixty. I put about thirty-five into it. So I'm in it for about 100 and we're under contract at one eighty-seven five. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, really. I mean, this is definitely a home run for me. Usually, I'm look, like I said, I'm usually looking at the 20% profit margin. So this should be a... deal and ended up being much better. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? I'm currently in the middle of three add-ons. So I've taken three properties that are two bedroom, one bath, small little houses, and I'm turning them into three bedroom, two bath, 15, 1600 square foot houses that should be very easy to sell. I mean, they'll be brand new by the time they're done. So those projects are a lot of fun because when you talk about adding value, my mentor, Robin Thompson, said only about 10% of the population would buy a two-bedroom, one-bath house. So opening that up to a 3-2 is, I think that's a huge value add. Best ever way you like to give back? I like to teach. Another book that I absolutely love is The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. That's written by Gary Keller. I grew up in the Keller Williams system, and so I'm a huge fan. Um, I've taught that class many times. And in my opinion, I think real estate should be in everybody's portfolio. I'll go on on and on against the stock market. I think everybody is just, they think they're diversified, but being 100% in the stock market, you are definitely not diversified. So I think everybody should get at least one or two rental properties that they can pay off and have that cash flow for when they're ready to retire. We've had uh, Jay Papazon, who co-wrote all the books with Gary Keller on the show and actually just spoke to Sarah Close from Gary Keller and she created three franchises. She brought Keller Williams to Cincinnati in 2005 uh, and in her episode released yesterday, actually. So uh, best ever listeners, go ahead and check that out. It was a wonderful conversation with her and then Jay Papazon just gave some tremendous advice as well. There's definitely a theme. There's some high quality people in the, in the Keller Williams group. I've noticed that for sure from my conversations. Absolutely, yeah. You know, with all your investing, what is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? And I'm going to ask you a follow-up to this, and that is, has there ever been a deal that you've done that didn't perform 
to the level that you projected with the investor. Absolutely, yeah. And the reason that I took a loss on that one is because I didn't listen to the nine houses not to buy. <laughs> I bought a house on a semi-busy road. It's a uh, in Phoenix. Every half mile is pretty much a, a semi-busy road, so it's going to have street lights and everything. Well, I bought what I thought was a great deal on a busy road, and it ended up not being a great deal. And I took about a twenty thousand dollar loss on that. But uh, you know, you live and you learn, and I'll never buy a house on a busy street again. In the big scheme of things, I imagine twenty thousand dollar loss to have the lesson learned for future purchases is a drop in the bucket, right? It sure is. You know, I never, uh, I never completed college, so I'll, I'll take this as my uh, my education. <laughs> What's the best ever place to reach you? Well, anybody can call me on my cell. I'm usually pretty free. My number is six zero two two nine two five seven four seven. Facebook's a great place to reach me. Or you can email me at uh, Chris Onti, K-R-I-S-O-N-T-I at gmail.com. Chris, thanks for being on the show and, and talking about your experience in the flipping world and then how you're financing deals, how you started out financing deals from the very beginning through other people's money. And you said that there's you know the, the wholesalers are giving away a lot of money and usually people start wholesaling because they don't have money. But what you just proved is that you don't have to have the money, but you do have to have the expertise to get going. And really, you just need one person who knows, likes, trusts, and believes in you and shares your vision for what the property will be on your first flip. And uh, you're able to you know, get that done successfully, you know, kind of snowballs from there. And I like how you got into specifics of how you, on the back of a napkin, do the estimates whenever you're able to go in a house. If it needs full cosmetic remodel, then you take $10 and you multiply by the square foot. If it needs a bathroom, then $2,500, landscaping $500 to $3,000. You do zero scaping being in Phoenix, roof three to seven k and these are general ballparks for every house is different but it's good to have an idea and then how you've had that conversation with investors and for anybody raising money i I want to call out the approach that you took when i first asked you that question and you said at first i'm looking for a win-win then you immediately started talking about how to not lose the money and i think that's really important because yeah i raise money as well I'm not for flips, but for apartment communities. And those are the two approaches that I've seen are most important to take right out of the gate. First, have your heart in the right place so that you know it's a win-win for them. Then second, mitigating the risk as quickly as possible and thinking through all the scenarios. When I asked you about it, you didn't go into, well, here's all the money you can make. You went into, here's the win-win. And then here are the things we do to mitigate the risk. And then you talked about the risk factors. And when we approach conversations like that with investors and being transparent and anticipating the questions they're going to have, that is really, really powerful because a lot of people don't do that. If I ask someone, you know, what are the risks involved? And they say, well, there's, there's not a whole lot. It's BS. There are risks involved with any investment and approaching conversations with investors that way is definitely the way to go, at least from what I've seen. And clearly, 
from what you've seen too. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and then lastly, you mentioned the two most important numbers when flipping houses. Uh, that's the after repair value, the ARV and the repair budget. Wonderful conversation. Learned a lot. Thanks for being on the show. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.